Amateur Radio Newsline report number 2,413 with a release date of Friday, January 26th, 2024, to follow in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. The following is a QS team. A young de-expedition team preps to leave for Guyana. An FCC webinar explains experimental licenses. And imagine needing a radio license just to listen. All this and more as Amateur Radio Newsline report number 2,413 comes your way right now. From around the world, this is Newsline, Amateur Radio's independent on-the-air news and bulletin service. Now, reporting from Union, Kentucky, here's Neil Rapp, WB9VPG. We begin this week with an important call sign, 8R7X. You'll be hearing it on the air as a quartet of youthful de-expeditioners prepares at long last for adventure and CUSOs in Guyana. John Williams, VK4JJW, has that story. The antennas are packed, other equipment is being tested, and four young friends, Philip Springer, DK6SP, Jamie Williams, M0SDV, Sven Lovrick, DJ4MX, and Tommy Varro, HA8RT, are ready to depart for their journey to Guyana, where they'll activate 8R7X from the 14th to the 24th of February. It's a shared dream long deferred by pandemic travel restrictions, but now with that behind them, this youthful quartet of seasoned de-expeditioners is prepared for the challenges of operating from their temporary South American QDH. A statement on the team's website expresses their excitement, adding that their recently issued call sign has a prefix that has never before been used. The four will continue to update their website and to keep DXs informed via social media channels as the date gets closer. They'll be operating CW, SSB, FT8 and RITI on the HF bands. If you want to follow their progress, see the team website listed in the text version of this week's newscast at arnewsline.org. This is John Williams, VK4JJW. The ARRL has announced some changes to its membership policy and is offering full-time students who are 21 years of age or younger a free associate membership in place of paying the current $30 annual fee. The ARRL has also reintroduced life membership and a 70-plus life membership for ham 70 and older on a revenue-neutral basis. Life membership was suspended last year. The changes were announced in an ARRL member bulletin released within 24 hours of the conclusion of the ARRL board meeting held January 19th and 20th. The ARRL also reported that the board has decided to defer to another time any proposed revisions to its conflict of interest policy, a proposed change to Bylaw 46 discussed at the January meeting. By unanimous vote, the ARRL has established a committee to review ethics guidelines and standards and to review Bylaw 46 further, in addition to Bylaw 42, which applies to the Ethics and Elections Committee. The ARRL Bulletin directed members to their website, where the League expected to post the complete minutes of the board's annual meeting. The creator of the protocol that eventually came to govern synchronized timekeeping on billions of devices around the planet has become a silent key. Cell MBKB3TZD tells us about him. Computer scientist and unstoppable tinkerer Dave Mills, W3HCF, was a professor at the University of Delaware when he first tackled the question of how to synchronize the time on billions of devices around the world. 
including computers, switches, satellites, servers, and clocks. He ultimately addressed this question through the development of Network Time Protocol, or NTP, which he introduced to the world as the internet began emerging as a global force. Dave became a silent key on the 17th of January, according to various postings. A fellow in the Institute of Electrical and Electronics Engineers, he was the recipient of the IEEE 2013 Internet Award. A university professor for 22 years, Dave carved out a long career with an emphasis on making his work accessible to individuals with low vision, a condition he developed as a result of glaucoma at a young age. A September 2022 profile in the New Yorker magazine recalled Dave's earliest work at ComSat, where he worked on ARPANET, viewed as the precursor to the Internet. The article noted that in his earlier work at the University of Edinburgh, he authored programs to decode telegraph signals sent over shortwave and studied how clocks functioned in a power grid. He eventually turned his attention toward timekeeping and UTC, the international civil time used by amateur radio operators and others around the world. Friends and colleagues shared their memories and postings on various websites and reflectors. Post on the Internet Society mailing list from Carl Aubach declared mournfully, Oh my, we have lost father time. Dave was 85. This is Selembi, KB3, TZD. The Summits on the Air community is grieving a loss of a ham whose valued support was evident in their logs. He was an avid soda chaser, a high scorer in the soda scheme, and a frequent contact in the logs of many. We hear about him from Kevin Trotman in 5 PRE. Soda enthusiasts have shared the news on Soda Reflector that Bob Warden, KU4R, a well-known and high-scoring soda chaser from Tennessee, has become a silent key. According to one post, Bob recently qualified for a certificate for earning 50,000 chaser points. At the time of his death, on the 19th of January, he had a total of 61,408 points. The activators all agreed that Bob was a formidable presence in their logs whenever they climbed the summits and called CQ. One activator, Paula K9IR, noted that she logged 104 contacts with him over the years, and he answered her call in nearly 30% of her activations. Another activator, Matt, KQ4CCP, shared that Bob was a contact when he did his first soda activation on two meters and eventually became his top chaser. Licensed in 1978, Bob wrote on the site pnwsoda.org that he spent his first 35 years operating VHF, UHF, and made some EME contacts as well, and became interested in soda chasing much later. He also enjoyed rag chewing and CW. This is Kevin Trotman, N5PRE. Could hams somehow be responsible for the evolution of the information age? A recent magazine article says it's very likely indeed. We hear more about this from Andy Morrison, K9AWM. Radio and TV broadcasting, mobile communications, and other elements of the so-called wireless revolution can have all their roots traced back to amateur radio, according to a recent article in the IEEE Communications magazine, IEEE Explore. The article, which is in Volume 61, Issue 11, credits amateur radio inventiveness that was incubated in the earliest amateur radio clubs growing on college campuses in the early 20th century. It singles out the Wireless Telegraph Club of Columbia University's New York City campus, noting the students' members' propensity for wireless experimentation, and singles out one club member, Edwin Howard Armstrong, considered the father of FM radio. 
At the same time that ham clubs were springing up on other U.S. college campuses, societies for wireless enthusiasts were being born in Australia, the U.K., and elsewhere in the world. The article traces how the advent of FM led to the development of mobile phones and how amateurs' bottomless curiosity continues to be the driving spirit behind more and more inventive ways of communicating. The article was written by Theodore Rappaport, N9NB, of New York University's Wireless Research Center. It is the second in a series of three articles being published by the IEEE. The previous article on the subject was published in October 2022 in Volume 60, Issue 10. This is Andy Morrison, K9AWM. An international crew of amateur radio operators is aboard the International Space Station in the latest commercial mission to be launched from Kennedy Space Center. The crew of Axiom Mission 3 consists of retired NASA astronaut Michael Lopez Algaria, KE5GTK, Italian co-pilot Walter Villaday, IU0RWB, Turkish mission specialist Alper Gezavaja, KJ5DIY, and Marcus Want of Sweden, KJ5COO. They arrived at the ISS on Saturday, January 20th, two days after their launch, and were welcomed by the seven crew members, most of whom are also licensed TAMs. Time for you to identify your station. We are the Amateur Radio Newsline. Heard on bulletin stations around the world, including the K2ADA repeater in Ocala, Florida, on Fridays and Saturdays at 7 p.m. local time. There are no prizes, no awards, no certificates, really nothing except bragging rights in a newly organized program that focuses instead on activations at racing events, any kind of racing events. Jack Parker, W8ISH, tells us about racing on the air. On your mark, get set, get on the air. That's the message delivered this month by organizers of Races on the Air, a program that is purely for fun, not for points. Hams are being encouraged to activate from any type of formal race, whether the competitors are bicycles, horses, boats, airplanes, cars, even off-road motorsport. The objective is to show amateur radio in action and to increase its visibility at places where the public gathers. Callers simply use CQROTA or CQ Racing on the Air to attract attention to whoever is on the bands. Attracting attention at the event itself is as easy as finding a place to set up. The Racing on the Air forum on the Worldwide DX radio site has all the details at WorldwideDX.com. Even locations such as the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, which already has an association with ham radio activations, are eligible to participate. The RODA organizers ask only that hams post the details of their planned activation, including modes and frequencies, and then upload the log afterward to the website. Ladies and gentlemen, start your rigs. This is Jack Parker, W8ISH. In Albuquerque, New Mexico, mobile radios and instructions to build antennas are part of a donation program for a humanitarian effort. We hear about that from Ralph Squatchy, KK6, ITB. 
A donation of 14 mobile radios and simple designs for homebrew antennas have gone the distance from Albuquerque, New Mexico, to a humanitarian organization providing social support and medical care to displaced families in Ukraine. The radios and the plans for antenna construction are a project of the Bosque Amateur Radio Club N5BRC. When Joseph Nichols, the founder of CareForUkraine.org, asked his brother Art Nichols, KI5GOL, if the hams could assist with the volunteers' communication needs as they address the sheltering, educational, and social concerns of the families, Art decided to approach the club for ideas. Bill Kent, N5UJC, Larry Elkin, NY5L, Terry Zipes, W4RCN, and club president Jerry Aceto, K6LIE, have since established BarkNet UA, the program by which the hams are providing assistance. Club members have donated $700 to the effort, which paid for the 14 handheld radios. Art told the Albuquerque Journal that by using the club's simple plans, the organization's volunteer team has been able to build and use 65 antennas. Joseph Nichols, a former biomedical equipment engineer now living in Ukraine, writes on the GoFundMe page of Care for Ukraine that the HAMS gifts have permitted the installation of small micro-networks of solar-powered radio equipment used by volunteers in rural areas for emergency, non-military purposes. He said that the equipment is shared freely with other volunteer aid groups as well. This is Ralph Squillaci, KK6ITB. The heart and soul of the process by which new technologies are developed and launched is often the experimental license, which in the U.S. is issued by the FCC. The agency is hosting a webinar so researchers and experimenters can learn more about how to put their tinkering on the air, legally. Stephen Kinford in 8WB has that story. The Federal Communications Commission will be presenting a step-by-step guide to its rules, policies, and procedures for anyone seeking an experimental license. Different kinds of these licenses are available. They enable eligible license holders to conduct research and testing while safeguarding other users of the spectrum against harmful interference. The webinar will be held on the 7th of February at 1 p.m. Eastern Time over Zoom and requires registration to participate. It will be led by Martin Duxgett, Chief of the Electromagnetic Compatibility Division in the FCC's Office of Engineering and Technology. Experimental licenses may be issued to individuals, hospitals, universities, and other applicants. To register, see the link in the text version of this week's newscast at arnewsline.org. I am Stephen Kinford, N8WB. The Radio Society of Great Britain is looking for volunteers who are at least 26 years old to reach out to youngsters about amateur radio. Jeremy Boot, G4NJH, has that story. Deepening its commitment to engaging more young people in amateur radio, the Radio Society of Great Britain is looking for prospective volunteer youth country representatives, particularly in Wales and Northern Ireland. The representatives would be involved in direct outreach to youngsters at schools, in youth clubs and in the Scouts, Guides and Cadets. They would also participate in larger activities such as British Science Week and Yota Month. Representatives also maintain a presence at RSGB activities. Licensed amateurs who are interested in being part of the next generation in radio should apply no later than the 16th of February. Visit rsgb.org forward slash volunteers for details. This is Jeremy Boot, G4NJH. 
In the world of DX, listen for Willie ON4AVT operating as 6W7 stroke ON4AVT from Warang, Senegal from the 3rd of February until the 16th of April. He is expected to operate mostly FT8 on 80 through 10 meters. He will also be operating through the QO100 satellite. CQRZ.com for QSL details. Irv F5HRY is active from Marie Galante Island, Guadeloupe, as FG stroke F5HRY until the 2nd of February. Listen for him on 80 through 10 meters using CW and sideband. CQRZ.com for QSL details. Bernhard DL2GAAC will be active again as H44MS from Malida, IOTA number OC047, in the Solomon Islands. He expects to be on the air around the 10th of February and will be active every day on 160 through 6 meters until the 25th of April. CQRZ.com for QSL details. In this final story, we look at the privilege of having a radio license. Ours allows us to transmit, but imagine a time when you needed a license simply to listen. Ed Durant, DD5LP, tells us about a ham radio event that recalls that moment in history. Special event stations are on the air throughout Germany calling QRZ and using the call sign suffix 100FK. Their operation marks 100 years since the establishment of the German radio cartel, 10 associations who work together to train interested radio hobbyists to be able to take the receiver license tests run by the German government, which allowed them to listen to the few AM broadcast stations that were just starting up. The creation of the Deutschen Funk Kartell on the 24th of January 1924 marked the dawn of early radio in Germany, and their efforts raised the number of listeners to a million in just 18 months. The mandated test and license to simply listen to a radio was the precursor to the amateur radio transmission license later. Now it's your turn to listen, this time without a license to listen, from anywhere in the world. These stations will be commemorating the start of radio one century ago and plan to be on the air through the 31st of May. For details, visit 100fk.de. Fortunately, hams have the license not just to listen, but to respond as well. This is Ed Durant, DD5LP. Does your amateur radio experience ever inspire a bit of poetry? Why not immortalize that incredible QSO or fantastic antenna by participating in the Amateur Radio Newsline Haiku Challenge? Use the entry form on our website, arnewsline.org, and please follow the rules for writing your three-line haiku. We cannot accept entries that are not written in traditional haiku form. And be sure to check out our previous winners. With thanks to the Albuquerque Journal, Amateur Radio Daily, AMSAT News Service, ARRL, CQ Magazine, David Bihar, K7DB, DX World, FCC, Funk Telegram, 425DX News, IEEE, NASA, QRZ.com, Racing on the Air, Radio Dark, ShortwaveRadio.de, Soda Reflector, Wireless Institute of Australia, Worldwide DX, YouTube, and you, our listeners. That's all from the Amateur Radio Newsline. We remind our listeners that Amateur Radio Newsline is an all-volunteer, non-profit organization that incurs expenses for its continued operation. If you wish to support us, please visit our website at arnewsline.org and know that we appreciate you all. We also remind our listeners that if you like our newscast, please leave us a five-star rating wherever you subscribe to us. 
For now, with Karen Eve Murray, KD2GUT, at the news desk in New York, and our news team worldwide, I'm Neil Rapp, WB9VPG in Union, Kentucky, saying 7-3. And as always, we thank you for listening. Amateur Radio Newsline is copyright 2024. All rights reserved.